and welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that is constantly reminding you that buying is emotional. That's right, emotional, not the super logical strategic decision. Usually it's more about what we think we will feel or not feel when we buy the thing. So you best be taking extra good care of your emotional health and be honoring making space for and feeling your emotions if you are a business owner or a marketer or someone that is trying to sell things to other people. Because how are you going to get other people to feel stuff if you yourself don't feel stuff? Because marketing's whole job, if buying is emotional and it's about getting people to feel stuff, (laughs) how are you going to get them to feel stuff if you don't feel stuff? So I know this will come as a shock to you, but I am Issa Gauchi, a quadruple Scorpio with a Cancer moon. So it's no wonder we talk a lot about the power of feelings on this here business podcast. And yes, it's the power of feelings. So as much as feelings can get in the way of us creating irresistible marketing when we're bogged down in depression and self-doubt and anxiety, as so often happens to my sensitive, marginalized, been crushed by the weight of the world, babes, for so long. On the flip side of that is emotions are power. Because if buying is all emotional and we have so many feelings and we're so tapped into our sensitivity and our empathy, we really have a lot of power to get people to feel stuff, to feel into the vision, our dreams, our hopes for the world. So when we don't drown in the feels, we can really turn them into something really powerful and world-changing and world-shaping. Anywho, I'm Issa Gauchi. I am your very own marketing confidence cheerleader and owner of the M. Issa Messaging Digital Marketing Agency for small business baddies such as yourself. And speaking of emotional health so that you can create irresistible marketing that gets your aligned clients to tap into all of the good feels, I have a really, really good guest for you all today. Lauren Peterson is a body relationship coach and dance movement therapist, a body Lorax, if you will, who speaks for the bodies. She specializes in working with movement professionals and healers, such as therapists, clinicians, and coaches, whose careers often require them to have a degree of separation from their bodies during the course of their work. She helps them build the tools to integrate back into their bodies and release vicarious trauma. Lauren loves to help badass helpers feel better in their own skin so they can keep doing their empathic work. Lauren is also a client of Season of Support, my signature 12-week one-on-one coaching program, and she knows firsthand the shadow work that marketing your life's work can bring to the surface. On today's episode, she will share some signals to help entrepreneurs catch when they are slipping into a trauma response when trying to market their business. And she will also share some simple somatic tools that they can use to bring their bodies back to a sense of safety. So without further ado, ladies and gentle thems, may I present the fabulous Lauren Elise Peterson. Hello, Lauren. Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Would you mind introducing yourself and your fabulous work to the good people? 
Sure. My name is Lauren Elise Peterson, and I like to call myself the body Lorex <laughs> because I speak for the bodies in any kind of work that I do. Um, I'm a board certified dance movement therapist, and I work as a body relationship coach is what we've been calling it because it's really about cultivating a relationship to your body, whether that's through healing body image or helping your body cope with burnout and vicarious trauma, especially if you are in the helping field. Awesome. Such great, such great stuff in there. Um, so the reason I have you on the podcast to bring so much light and joy to my people today is because I'm noticing as the marketing confidence cheerleader that I suspect some of the things people are identifying as I'm procrastinating or I just can't make myself do it when it comes to marketing or structuring their like launches or offers is actually a trauma response that's going unrecognized because marketing and business can trigger so many big emotions for people. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any tips for helping entrepreneurs recognize when they are in a trauma response from just doing the courageous work of being in business and marketing um, that they might not even be realizing is actually a trauma response. Totally. This is something that I think about a lot because, you know, I'm in business for myself too. And so it comes up for me also. <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll share an example. My first tip would be just notice if there's a pattern. Um, because if there's a pattern, there's probably something going on that you can, you can get curious about. Because for instance, if you forget one thing on your to-do list, that's not, you know, that's human. That might be just something that happened to you that day. Maybe you didn't sleep that well, but if you run into a situation where you are frequently noticing that you are spacing out on certain things or you feel like you can't do a certain something or a certain type of something, um, I think that that's a really good place to consider possible trauma response. And I'll, I'll share an example for myself. Um, <laughs> there are several different things that have come up recently where I've gone, oh, that's funny. You know, I, I just didn't do that. And it's a great thing for me to do. Example, I could have filled out your form earlier because we worked together and gotten this amazing present from you sooner. <laughs> um, but basically, that's the type of thing that I'll, I'll notice and get curious about. Is there something that I'm frequently forgetting? Is there something where I feel something come up for me where I want to put it off or I want to or I just space on it. Um, also, I'd say maybe if you notice some irritation coming up, that might be a different type of a trauma response um, that we can talk about. But those are some of the things that I think affect entrepreneurs a lot, the, the kind of freeze and dissociative experience. Um, so in terms of what to do about that. <laughs> well, maybe we could pause and back up. So. Um... I just wanted to give folks a little context. So trauma responses are the fight, 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 flight, freeze, and fawn, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I think the ones we notice, or I, I think I'm noticing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most commonly when it comes to marketing and business are probably the freeze and the flight. So the freeze and just the, like, I have no idea what to do sort of shut down response. And then the flight in, would this be a flight is in, I noticed that people are like, I'm going to just stay really busy, but doing stuff that doesn't really push the needle forward. I'm just going to like do a bunch of busy work, <laughs> but like not do like the big picture or do the big, big thing, like put out, like actually tell people what I have for sale type of thing. Would that be considered flight? You know, I think you could make a case for that um, because it's mobilized, which is typically going to feel different than say a freeze, which some people say is mobilized because there's a lot of tension, but it's, but you're not moving, <laughs> which is um, different than totally shut down, but they're similar. Um, and I'll just say people who specialize in this, there's a bunch of different terms and there's a little bit of argument back and forth about what goes where. Um, but I would say, yeah, flight, that would make sense to me, you know, staying in motion, but not necessarily, as you said, pushing the needle forward or moving the needle forward. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the form. So, um, just to give some folks some context. So Lauren is actually, a fabulous participant in my season of support program, which is my one-on-one -on -one marketing confidence cheerleading program. And the form she is referencing is part of that program is I send you some snail mail presents throughout our journey together, but so that I can make these presents really designed specifically to like amp up your journey. I ask you some questions um, about like specifically your branding so that I can send you presents that are branded to your business. Like, so if you have your colors and your fonts and stuff worked out, like you can, um, she was holding up since you guys can't see the video, she's holding up a mug I sent her that has body Lorax and her colors and fonts. Um, but it totally makes sense because I notice where especially the the freeze shows up for a lot of people is when we start going into big picture about your brand. Like, yeah. what is your vision for your brand? What do you really want? Um, and when and especially like when we have to make decisions, like what are your colors? What are your fonts? What's your name? Like, what's your mission? <laughs> like this stuff has people really going into an avoidance space a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, which is, which is interesting. That was specifically your example, Lauren. Um, yeah, but, but just putting your, um, hat on as, as someone who works in the trauma space a lot, I wonder if you have any insights, what, what do you think that is about having to think about the big picture that has so many people going into this feels unsafe territory? Gosh, that's such a great question and observation. Cause I think that's one of the places where I can hit freeze. And I think decision-making in general can be really scary for a lot of people. I know that, um, <laughs> and, and I have a somatic tip for this, which I'm real excited to share. So I hope I remember to weave that in in a moment. But um, I think for me, what tends to come up is what if I pick the wrong thing, right? As if that would somehow be 
unchangeable in the future. <laughs> and I think for a lot of business owners that I know, that's something that comes up for them. You know, if I really commit to this, then um, what if later I change my mind? But it comes into my body as a, what if I pick the wrong thing, you know, which is different than what if I change my mind. But I think that that's part of what can show up for people. And so, of course, if we get frozen there, then we tend to not move forward with what we're trying to do. And um, <laughs> I have something that tends to help me mentally, and then I have something that tends to help me physically with that process. Um, would you like to hear them both? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, first, would you mind um, letting for folks know, you mentioned you have a somatic tool for this. What is a somatic tool first? And then yeah. give us your example. Sure. So somatics basically refers to body-based practices. Um, you can get more and more detailed about that, but when I'm talking about somatic tools, I'm talking about something that you can do with your body to be able to take care of your body, but also to potentially shift your state to be able to say, maybe make some decisions or move out of a freeze response. Yeah. That's so cool. I remember we were working actually in a recent session about how to explain this. So how so somatic tools are like body-based tools to help you um shift your emotional state either to start feeling something you want to be feeling or to stop feeling something you would prefer not to be feeling um yeah. is that correct yeah <laughs> yeah and i think sometimes sometimes we might also use them to feel that thing more deeply or con to connect to it more but for the way that i tend to work with myself as a business owner, it's often to shift my state a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, ultimately the goal is never to just pretend we never get sad or to just like not ever feel pain or never feel afraid. But there are instances like you're a professional and you're like, I don't have three hours to process my grief right now. I just need to be able to shift out of it for now and be yeah. able to process my grief later. <laughs> after yes. they like serve these clients that would be an appropriate time to use that tool totally yeah okay gotcha yeah. gotcha all right yeah. so um you mentioned you have a somatic tool and a mental tool so you're faced with having to make a decision maybe put some boundaries around your vision for your business or your marketing and your body is starting to have a reaction and it feels scary and you're like what if i choose wrong and you're you're feeling yourself start to drift and start to want to ghost. Um, what is the somatic tool for how you could bring yourself back to a state of calm and safety? One thing that you can do, which is really simple, is something that is cross-lateral, meaning crosses the midline of the body. And um, if you imagine that the midline is the line that's drawn from the top of your head all the way down through the nose and the center of your torso all the way down to the space between your feet. Um, so when you cross one side of the body over that middle of the body, it can be helpful for making different connections in your brain. And so when you feel stuck in indecision, 
a way that you can try to mobilize without maybe, you know, trying to run a marathon <laughs> um, would be to start with something that crosses the middle of the body. So right now, people can't see if you're on the podcast, but I'm reaching my right arm over to the left side of my body and the left arm over to the right. And um, there's a few different ways you could do this. You could give yourself a hug. You could um, bring right arm to left leg and tap side to side, then left arm to right leg. Um, you could tap your arms uh, in that crossed arm, like self-hug position. Um, many people call this the butterfly hug. There's um, a couple different variations, but this is a really simple way to do it where you just are tapping back and forth. And the idea is that we're basically waking up both sides of the brain, the right brain, the left brain. And by doing that, we might help unstick some of the stuckness that can happen through the freeze response. Oh, that's so cool. Is it, is part of it that like, I'm curious about, so I just taught marketing witchery week and one of the days was on fear. And part of what we were exploring is how much like fear yanks you out of the present. Ooh, and, yeah. Um, just doing these tools with you. Um, I was like, oh, like if I'm tapping on my arms or tapping on my legs, I'm like, I'm feeling right now. I feel my leg right now. I feel my arms right now. Is that yeah. part of it? <laughs> Yes, I would say so. It's a it's a way to give that tactile information. Here I am. <laughs> this is what's happening right now. Um, also, rhythm is soothing to our brain. There's something about having that rhythm that creates organization for us. And um, simply having that rhythm can be very grounding for a lot of people. Yeah. Very cool. And what's your mental tool you mentioned? My mental tool. Um, so <laughs> this is something that I have had to tell myself. And I'll tell you the short version and then the longer version. I heard this on a video once. Um, this person who um, I believe it was Greg Creech, who does a form of um, Japanese therapy that is called Nikon. <clears throat> And which this isn't necessarily Nikon, but he was talking in this video about feeling stuck in indecision. And he said, if you are struggling to make a decision, um, make a decision and make it the right one loosely. Don't quote me fully on this, but <laughs> what he was saying um, was not make the right decision. <laughs> you might make the right decision, but for someone struggling with indecision, that's not necessarily going to help. <laughs> and then he, he follows it with make it the right one, because you have all of these different decisions, but we tend to get stuck with the one that we're on and think, Somehow in our mind, we think that that's the last one, but actually there's lots of other decisions that happen after that. Like, well, maybe I choose my fonts and maybe later I decide to change it. I then get lots of other choices after that initial decision <laughs> that, um, that I can also respond to. 
So for in that moment, if you're going to make the decision and commit to it, make the decision and and then through the next decisions that you make, make it the right one. Um, which helps me because when I'm in a freeze type moment, I forget that there's anything other than that, you know? <laughs> it's like, we'll still have decisions to make after that moment. So continue to make decisions that direct you in the direction that you're wanting to go. That's so interesting. I remember researching a piece I wrote about uh, choice overload in website marketing uh-huh. and about how there have been studies that after a certain amount of options, like it becomes a cognitively stressful task for people to make a decision. And so a lot of people just won't, or they'll like make a decision and then regret it. Cause they'll be like, what if another one was the best option? So yeah. I love the idea of just like, once you choose just being like, I chose, I chose the decision option. Yeah. It, moving forward from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And you know, it's it, it, <laughs> as someone who has struggled with indecision, I totally understand how it that's a simple thought process and it may not feel simple in your body, but um doing something keeps you moving and you may, you know, you may find out things down the road that you want to change or do differently, but you won't know if you are still waffling back and forth. And if you are at the, this part is what helped me so much is if I'm having to make a decision, then it means it wasn't obvious in the first place. And there's probably pros and cons to both. So. (laughs) Yeah. And totally remembering it, like that it's not the last time you ever get to make a decision. Like you can make decisions. Right. For that decision. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, so I just want to tie a bow on this for listeners. So you said cross lateral movement. So crossing the midline of your body is um, a great somatic or body-based tool for getting you unstuck from a freeze mode. Um, and just to tie this back to the business marketing context, where I, a few scenarios where I see, um, a lot of clients going into this state is around, um, rejection sensitivity. So my launch didn't go as well as I thought, or I I don't have as big a following as I thought I would right now, or not enough people liked my post or, um, money fear is a big one. I see a lot of people really going into shutdown when they start worrying about money, um, So if you find yourself going into freeze or starting to spiral, um, is spiral a freeze, by the way, like if you're having an anxiety spiral, would this be a good time? Yeah, I I would say so, because typically the people that I think of as spiraling often that's internal, right? It might be external if you're verbalizing it to someone, but a lot of the time an internal experience where your body is kind of frozen and you're having that internal spiral. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have a tool now. So if you find yourself stuck in any of these kind of feelings that have you wanting to shut down, um, try cross lateral movement and also just try making a decision. And remember, it's not your last decision. You get to make decisions after that decision, but just a decision to move forward. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm wondering also for the folks, so maybe they have a different reaction. So if they're freaked out about rejection sensitivity to marketing or they're freaked out about money and their response is, I'm going to do a bunch of busy work, but just not tell anybody I have something for sale. I'm just going to do a bunch of like Canva graphics Um, (laughs) and like, and they're just staying busy and maybe they're like not doing the self-care stuff or not facing the work that's act- they actually need to do to make the money or move the business forward. Do you have a somatic tool for folks that do go into a flight response for um, this kind of thing? Yeah. So I think what comes up for me is breathing, which can look like a couple of different things. Um, I would suggest in that type of moment, if (laughs) I'm picturing this person is like busy work, busy work, busy work, but not actually doing, not doing the thing that is really a little vulnerable for them. And so I think some of the things that have helped me in moments like that are slowing the breath down, but I personally do best with a little bit of movement with the breath. Um, Everyone is different, but I found that that is the greatest way for me to actually slow down because if I'm already busy, 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 and I try to just sit still, that is not for me, a match (laughs) that can actually amp up my, um, anxious thoughts and my need to move around. So, um, there might be days where what needs to happen is to move some of that, that energy first and then do this. Um, so I'll say you could literally shake it off or walk around the block for a few minutes, um, before doing this also, just if that's, if you're in that level of needing to move around, um, those are both beneficial walking. Um, if you go outside, especially, and you're walking and scanning your eyes back and forth, it's really helpful. Um, shaking is great just to literally shake off and discharge the energy. Um, but then for that type of internal or external chaos, I benefit from slowing down the breath through moving my hands or placing my hands on different parts of my body. So the first option would be, um, and I'm going to describe this, but since you can't see me, so I would be resting my hands, palms up on my lap or um, on a table And then as I inhale, I float the fingers out, just gently reaching my fingers out. And as I exhale, I draw my hands in, not to a full tight fist, but just in kind of like a flower opening and closing. So as I inhale, I float them out. And as I exhale, I draw them in. And we repeat that for several breaths. And by doing that, I find that it allows the need for some movement, but I'm connecting it to my breath, which is a really different way of moving and kind of getting back into the body instead of moving for the sake of disconnecting from my body. Um, So that's a way that I try to slow it down. And if that doesn't fit, or if you (laughs) have too much energy and you start going, 
you know, back and forth. You could also try placing your hand on your heart and just slowing down the breath, feeling one or two hands on your heart and connecting to the breath as you do that. Yeah. Oh, I love this one. I think I actually needed that one today. I love the flower opening image. Oh, oh good. Oh, oh, I feel so much more zen now. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Me too. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for sharing these amazing tools. Um, So to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. another reason why I'm so excited to have you here sharing your wisdom with us today is because you also have a specialty in teaching about vicarious trauma. Um, And since a lot of my folks and your folks obviously are in healing professions, so like coaching therapists, um, wellness, healing, and also all of my folks are digital entrepreneurs, so they're on the internet a lot. I think it would behoove everybody to understand what vicarious trauma is. Would you mind explaining, giving us an explainer? What is it? What's vicarious trauma? I will. Um, so vicarious trauma, basically, and I'll, I'll get into some differences in a moment, but the overall is when, when a person feels the impact of other people's traumas, um, in their bodies, basically. And this, when I was making my course about basically healing from burnout and vicarious trauma for helpers, um, one of the things that I found a distinction about is that some people distinguish secondary trauma and vicarious trauma. Um, And if they're talking about clinicians specifically, so like therapists, um, they say that secondary trauma can be from, you know, you can just hear someone's trauma and be impacted by that. And vicarious trauma goes for some people into the realm of it's then shifting my worldview. And I think that that's an important kind of micro and macro thought is that when we're exposed to other people's traumas and heavy material on a regular basis, it can both impact our body, but also our sense of safety in the world or our sense of what the world is like. And you mentioned the internet, um, simply by consuming the content that could be negatively slanted, that in itself can really (laughs) impact somebody's sense of whether or not they feel okay in the world. Um, So that's the, the short of it. And I'll also just mention that Um, this can be experienced in many different ways, but for people who are very empathetic, which I have a feeling is a lot of your, (laughs) your people that you work with, um, that really can get absorbed into our bodies as well as our mind space. And so that's part of what I love to help people with is, is moving through that so that they don't get stuck in it. Yeah. What are some signs that you might be experiencing vicarious trauma? Okay. Um, Well, some of the things that I have either experienced or heard of um, would be a heightened startle response. So, and we're talking, you may or may not have your own 
trauma history that this might be bumping up against. But even for people who don't necessarily have something that's directly happened to them, this would be basically the hypervigilance that you tend to see in something like PTSD. So hypervigilance, looking, feeling jumpy, startled, on edge, um, possibly irritability. Um, also, um, I remember a very distinct time where I knew what was happening. I don't always know, but I knew in this moment that this person had been sharing some really heavy stuff with me. And as soon as the session ended, I felt in my body, um, basically the, what could have become a panic attack and there was nothing going on that there was a reason for me to have a panic attack in that moment. But my body was registering, wow, there's a lot of unsafe stuff maybe in the world or for that person or because we have um, mirror neurons that help us feel the empathy for the person sitting across from it. My system may have been a little confused with who was experiencing the panic feelings. And in my field of dance movement therapy, we work with that, but um, it's, it's something that we have to really be aware of because people's um, trauma can, can show up. Lack of sleep, struggles with eating, heavy, just general, um, depressed mood, low energy. Yeah. What are some healthy ways you'd like people to be aware of for how they should cope with, um, or that are available for coping with vicarious trauma, if they're noticing some of these symptoms in themselves? That's a great question. Um, well, something that I think we could all benefit from um, is the concept of glimmers. Uh, have you ever heard of that? I'll explain what it is, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of it, but please explain for the, for us all. <laughs> okay. um, so they're kind of the opposite of triggers. So by now, a lot of our culture is aware that triggers <laughs> are out there. People get triggered. Um, we can feel, a, feel triggered by um, upsetting content or have a, basically have a trauma response. So go into fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And glimmers are kind of the opposite. It are the, it's the moments that we feel really connected, really safe. We're out, sitting outside and enjoying, noticing a little butterfly float by. Those types of moments are really, really important for being able to continue doing our work in the world. So paying attention to those moments is one of the greatest ways to, I think, basically tell your nervous system, it's not all <laughs> that scary stuff. It's not all that heavy content. This is also happening. That is one thing that I would suggest, especially if you find that um, a, a symptom that I didn't mention is if you find yourself thinking about really traumatic, scary, depressing stuff very, very frequently. Um, this would be a way that you can kind of come out of that mental experience and pay attention to the moment, step outside, put your feet on the ground, take a deep breath. Um, it's really important to be able to do that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I'm also curious because 
you are in the unique position of being both a board certified dance movement therapist and a coach. Um, and, um, you have clients that are also like both therapists and coach or, and so I don't know actually if they're also both in the same person, but you serve therapists and you say serve coaches. And we've talked that there's kind of an institutional difference where for therapists, there's kind of like an institutional setup where there are um, like mentors and people to talk to so that there's like checks and balances in the system for how to process vicarious trauma, where it's a little more wild west in the coaching industry. Um, What would you want to tell the coaches listening to the audience or what would you want them to be aware of for how like vicarious trauma for people in the mental health industry, it's long been understood that you're not meant to just cope with this totally alone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We have structures in place. Um, I, and I will say they have their issues sometimes, but the structures are set up to where you should have supervision. You should have, um, someone to be able to talk to if if you notice that you're really impacted by a certain client more so than um, than other people. And one thing that I think would be helpful for coaches to know is that um, <laughs> that's a part of that system that doesn't necessarily have a component in the coaching realm. And um, so if you're out there and you are struggling with like thinking about a client for hours after you have met with them or um, really, really wrapped up in a a reaction that someone had, that may be because it's a really common experience when you're opening yourself up to helping with helping people. And the mental health world has at least an acknowledgement of it (laughs) and some structures in place that are meant to help support that process. Um, But in the coaching world, like you said, um, there's not necessarily a container for that energy. Um, So it makes sense if you are struggling after the session or if you're feeling burned out, if you're feeling really confused about something that came up. Um, hopefully coaches would also have their own support out there, but it's not really required the way that it is in the beginning stages of um, being a mental health therapist. Yeah. That's fully makes sense. I think I'm also curious for your thoughts on this. Um, I think whenever there's something horrible in the news or particularly if it, it affects the industry you're in, and it's all over your feed. Is that a ripe time when you could be experiencing vicarious trauma, like simply by your digital spaces that you are in as well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that would be one of the times where even though it's, it's almost hard to do, (laughs) but if you can step away, take a break from your feed, um, maybe actually feed yourself, (laughs) like feed your body, um, put something nourishing in, um, that would be a really great time to be able to give yourself that restoration that is, um, hard to do when all you're seeing reinforces these scary or depressing 
aspects of life. Yeah. Gotcha. Because it, it's so, I think particularly for us digital entrepreneurs, it's really an interesting time to be in business because we're all, I think as particularly people in health and wellness are, are privy to some really cool things that happen when we suddenly have access to these amazing ideas and healers from all over the world. And we are kind of like skyrocketing our own spiritual and mental and emotional healing. But then we're also at the same time exposed to so much more pain and suffering <laughs> at the yeah. same time. We're like exposed to just more mm-hmm. or everything at the same time. And our bodies, I'm, um, i I suspect our bodies are struggling to catch up with and how to adjust for how to respond to that. Like our evolutionary capabilities are a little like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Don't we usually have like a few millennia to make these adaptations? (laughs) Like this is a little fast, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But okay. Sorry. I went off in like 12 different places. Okay. Bring it back in, Isa. So um, what would you want entrepreneurs in particular to understand about how this might be, um, first of all, the trauma responses they might be having to like their marketing um, itself, like the rejection, sensitivity, money, fear, et cetera. If they're, if they're having frequent trauma responses, how that might be affecting their relationship to their own body. And if they're in like a field or they're just online all the time and they're experiencing vicarious trauma from, from that, might this be a clue that there is something going on with how they relate to their own bodies and their own health that you'd want to note for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. As you said, the second part um, where we're thinking about the entrepreneur who is being impacted by the digital space and the types type of content that might be present for them. I got this image of like being pulled off your center <laughs> because um, I think that really is what happens for many people who are very open, very, very loving, empathetic, want to help the world with their business. Um, we can get kind of like like pulled off uh, into that really intense um, void. (laughs) And so one thing that comes up when I picture that, that person is continuing to come back to the body and listen on a regular basis because Those things are out there, but so so are the moments of peace in your own body. So is the smell of your favorite lotion. So is your cat that is purring right next to the microphone <laughs> earlier in this podcast. Um, and those moments, glimmers basically, um, are a way to fill out the rest of your perspective, um, because it's not to negate and say that the really traumatic stuff isn't out there, but so are these other moments. And we forget that when we are pulled off our center into that content. 
Yeah, it sounds like I, I think particularly digital entrepreneurs and anybody doing online marketing has a really hard time with social media and online boundaries because like you literally have to be online so much for your business, but having this regular check-in with your body is almost a built-in boundary because you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I am contained in my body. <laughs> yeah, totally, exactly. I am contained in my body. And if you need to remind remind yourself physically of your actual boundary, you know, that that's part of what can be helpful with that tactile work, like tapping with the arms crossed. You can also squeeze and go, okay, here I am. <laughs> because this is also true. You know, this is also happening, me in this body, living this life. And I think that, you know, the previous question about um, folks whose trauma responses are getting triggered by things like rejection sensitivity or um, money stuff, I think I would have something similar to say, um, this is where I think you could look at it a couple different ways somatically you could lean into that for a moment, not to be consumed by it, but just to be kind and listen to your body response. Like, oh, wow, you are really scared right now to go out there and talk about this thing because, you know, you feel like you might get something wrong, you know, like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and just really listening to those body responses. Um, and that's part of what I try to do for myself is take, take moments to be present, but then when it's time to shift gears and say, you know, make a reel, <laughs> you know, or, or do something for the business, um, then I have some tools in place to try to help me shift out of that space where I'm like, wow, I'm feeling really scared or sad or bummed out about this. And I have some tools to help me shift into a different headspace, um, which for me is often dancing to pop music. Like that's my go-to. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Well, I, I'm also would love for you as someone who has such a vast knowledge of body-based and mental health tools, um, and is literally a therapist, coach, and entrepreneur yourself. Um, I know that you personally also invest in support, emotional support and mental health support for yourself and business coaching for yourself. Um, would you mind letting the people know like why it was, however much you're comfortable sharing, why it was important to you, even though, you know, have all the information to do this for yourself, why it's meaningful you to you to invest in your own therapists and your own coaches and like how this helps you professionally as well. Sure. It's actually, I didn't plan this, I promise, but, but it really is about my ability to not go into too much vicarious trauma. <laughs> um, and part of that is why is, is because um, when I first got my, my most intense full-time job as a therapist, I was in a major life transition and, um, 
happened to be a really rough time in the world politically. <laughs> Not like it hasn't been for a little bit, but um, it was a really jarring year. And so I found myself in this really intense job that I had wanted so badly working with really intense trauma. And um, my schedule was really full. And at that time, I felt like the way to handle that was just to work, you know, because I had to learn the ropes. I had to be there for my clients. And what fell away was my own support. And I felt it. <laughs> and um, I couldn't figure out how to schedule my own therapy. You know, I couldn't figure out um, at that time online coaching wasn't as prevalent, but I was having a hard time building in my own support system. And I really felt it. And that was the time period that I noticed the most impact on my body. So I know for me as a body-based therapist and coach specifically, <laughs> if my body's unhappy, my work is not going well, and I need to take care of my body, not only for me, but for also for my clients, because I do my best work when I'm a well-functioning body, <laughs> which is why I continue to invest, even though it's sometimes uncomfortable um, or sometimes um, means moving some things around, but it always helps me do my work better. And it also helps me get out of my own way because, you know, for instance, working with you, I don't even know the things that are are and aren't common knowledge for people because I'm so in my own field. So even just being able to talk to someone about what is common knowledge has been very transformative. It helps me go, oh, I do have things to share. <laughs> oh, there is someone out there that could be helped by this information. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think like there from conversations I've had, there's like a lot of entrepreneurs that are in helping fields that are worried that like really want this emotional support, but they're like worried that if they admit to themselves that they need this kind of help and support and like this kind of investment and this kind of time commitment in this help, that it's like admitting something like, I don't know, something about them as a helper, but like if helpers need help, your therapists mm -hmm. have therapists, your coaches have coaches, your yeah. mentors have mentors, like nothing's gone wrong. Like nothing has gone wrong at all. If you need support, like we are a social species um, and even stuff with like inner work and shadow work and stuff. A lot of the stuff that has to happen personally and internally, it does it like sometimes we need like, like love and nurturing and guidance and community support to get to the place where we feel strong enough to go into our own inner depths. Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> totally. Exactly. Someone shared also to me, this always, this helps me get over my own blocks. If I'm hesitant, they're like, Oprah has like four coaches. Like, <laughs> yes, she's Oprah, but she has like four coaches. So, you know, it's okay to get support, then you can do more things. <laughs> yeah, I think like both of us, I think in different ways, like our ideal clients are have often been like considered the strong one. 
And so like the strong one is like not used to like having a place where they can just like go melt down, but like every needs one needs a place where they can go melt down. Um, even when they have to like go be the strong one for other people, for sure. Um, totally. Well, before I talk your ear off for hours and hours, I know, um, I have to let you go back to your day, but, uh, Lauren, would you tell the good people how they can work with you and where they can follow you? And of course I'll include all your links in the show notes for this episode as well. Great. Yes. Um, the easiest way to find me is, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, both under Lauren Elise Peterson. And my website is laurenelisepeterson.com. And one of the things that I have going right now, depending on when this goes out, are some SOS summer help sessions. So if someone is interested in this work, but less um, ha- somehow more hesitant about investing in a longer container. Um, I have an offer right now where you can come and sample what it feels like to work with me. And I would love to support you. Yeah. Yay. And, and who, who should come check that out? Who's your ideal client for that? Who should, <laughs> who should, um, people who are struggling with their relationship to their bodies, either through worrying about what their body looks like or the pressures of trying to be the body positive icon that they are in this world. Um, They also need a place to talk about getting triggered. Um, And I love working with those folks. Also, if you're a therapist or a coach who's in the helping profession and you want to be able to feel more connected to your body, more resourced so that you can continue to do your amazing work in the world, um, I love to work with you cultivating your own relationship to your body as well. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for blessing us all with your wisdom. I'm going to like go do that like flower hand thing every day this week. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> um, Yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you found it helpful, validating, and inspiring. If this episode gave you any breakthroughs or you gave any of those somatic tools a try, please share about it on social media and tag me and Lauren. We would so love to hear your feedback, and you can find our social media handles in those show notes. And to learn more about how to keep up with me and Lauren, you can find all of the links for how to work with us also in the show notes. And just so you know, Season of Support, my signature one-on-one marketing confidence cheerleading program that is 12 weeks long, of which Lauren is a member and of which she was getting those awesome presents we were talking about, is on sale right now for 25% off through Tuesday, June 13th. So hop on that link in the show notes for more info. You can either grab your spot right now and just go right to checkout, or you can book an optional discovery call if you want to just have a quick chat with me to make sure we are a good fit. And I also have three spots left for just a single pay what you can cheerleading session with me. These are one hour one-on-one sessions where we will just vanquish your marketing demons together so you can go get those big dreams of yours and show up as big and as magnetically and as irresistibly as possible in your marketing. These sessions are normally $299 each, but since I would so love to be able to share a few sessions on this here podcast so that 
my whole audience can really witness the magic that, that goes on in the Marketing Confidence Cheerleading Sessions. I am offering these three spots in exchange for permission to record and use the session in my marketing, along with a pay-what-you-can fee. And these spots are first come, first serve. So while you can pay whatever it is that you want, no questions asked, you do have to make a payment to claim your spot. Info for, for that is also in the show notes. So hurry up before they're all claims if you want one of those to be yours. All right, loves, have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.